1: This episode is brought to you by
3: Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of
1: the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
3: Hey guys, it's Ryan from Erie calling in. My brother, who is awesome, recently just sent me down a rabbit hole of horror movie novelizations by buying me a copy, I do not know where he found it, of the novelization of Black Christmas. Uh, Not any of the remakes, but the original one. And it was awesome to see the person who wrote the novelization um, sort of add their own lore into the movie that I already enjoyed, and I actually really enjoyed the novelization well. And then that sent me down further the rabbit hole of now I have novelizations of both Halloween um, movies, John Carpenter's original, and the most recent uh, Danny McBride written one, along with Friday the 13th, and a whole lot more that I haven't read yet, but I'm looking forward to. So that all leads to my question. Have you any recommendations for some horror movie novelizations that you guys really like? Or since this is kind of a rabbit hole, very niche um, section of horror, are there any movies that you would like to see a novelization made of that you think could improve upon the movie or at least make more people enjoy the movie? Thanks, and keep up the awesome work with the podcast.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Uh, great series of questions, and I'm gonna go ahead and hand that off to Zena because I get the feeling that she just really wants to start off by answering.
2: I I, I do, but unfortunately, like I've never read one. I know. Mm. Oh, uh, So, but um, I can <laughs> I can answer the I don't know what that was. I, I had a cup of tea. Um, but I can uh, answer the other half, like one that I would like to see made into one. Yeah. Um. Justin Benson's and um, Aaron Moorhead's their horror romance *Spring* from 2014 could be a good time.
0: Oh, that'd be interesting.
2: Yeah, I feel like any of their stuff could make they for excellent so novelizations.
1: Oh, I
0: don't want novelizations a *Resolution* or uh, *Endless*. Okay, well, really? no, don't read I it like then. The...
2: Okay,
1: <laughs> well, Megan. Well, no, I,
0: I, I don't want to read I know. those novels.
1: <laughs> it's a book. You don't have no, to those... read
0: it. What? That's not true. That, that's There's rules around books. And I want everyone to remem- yeah. remember that when my book comes out next year, but we'll talk about that next year. So, okay. uh, there are definitely, I guess I'm just going to piggyback off that, and I know Megan actually does have recommendations. Um, I've never read a novelization either. It doesn't really occur to me to do so. I don't know why. I think I, I remember seeing like Alien and Aliens on bookshelves, actually, when I was younger. And... I think to me I thought why would I read the book when I can watch the movie like not thinking that they would expand on it and things like that it's it's just it's interesting because it's a visual medium yeah so we see it go one way and not necessarily give credence to it going the other like and I don't personally know I mean because it's a visual medium that I love so much I kind of like I kind of don't like getting my chocolate and my peanut butter <laughs> I, like I kind of like those different worlds. like I don't necessarily mind an adaptation, but it's very rare that I I've I've read a book where I think the adaptation served the source material unless it was so close to the source material and that the characters brought something extra to the role like Fight Club. okay. Like Fight Club is the, the book's just fine, but like there is so much of the novel in the movie, okay. And then Brad Pitt brings so much Swagger to Tyler Durden that doesn't exist in the book. And Edward Norton is just Edward Norton, so he's just amazing in the role
1: that's not a novelization though, right I mean that was a book that came first no
0: it's not uh, no
1: yeah. okay so I I'm, make I'm it talking about the reverse okay gotcha I
0: think it's because there's so few examples I can think of where I like the adaptation of the movie or the novel into the movie mm-hmm. that my brain is like telling me well, it wouldn't work the other way either so I just haven't given it a mm. chance I suppose. I'm a bad, I'm not I'm still I'm still working on being a better person.
1: <laughs> oh, you're just fine, John. You're just fine. And you know, that's the beauty of horror is that it's subjective. But my stance on novelizations is that they're more of like a companion piece, not really a one or the other. Mm-hmm. I think they're ideally best used as like if you are a fan of the movie, because often, I think more often than not or maybe it's just a general rule that when they're commissioned, it's usually like the first draft of the script. And as this movie goes into production, that script tends to change dramatically. So you're going to get insight um, for this novelization, things that like are not at all like the final product, because, you know, the author was out, you know writing this story based on the first draft or not necessarily first draft but the first shooting script and then that changes so you've got these that's why i think that they're like more companion pieces um that yeah. are best suited for you know if you're a fan of something so mm-hmm. i tend to gravitate like i'm not super well versed in, in the world of novelizations but i tend to gravitate towards the ones that i like the movie. So Demon Knight, you know, I, I love reading that okay. and getting oh, cool. seeing the different changes that that happened in the novel that that's obviously different in, in the book or in the movie. And there was so that's, a novelization
0: that's, that's, of Demon Knight?
1: There's practically a novelization for everything. And if you are getting into this, Ooh. your best bet is like secondhand stores like half price books or or whatever. Because if you go to eBay, huh. like I would really like the novelization to the blob, the 1988 The Blob. But it's 75 bucks mm-hmm. on eBay. Whoa. You might be able oh, to find God. that like for super cheap on a, you know, whim one day and a half, right. you know, It's like store.
0: trying to buy Near Dark on Blu-ray.
1: Uh one that is not um overpriced that I highly recommend, The Cabin in the Woods. That's like another one that it's like I would love to see a movie version of this novelization mm-hmm. that's based on the movie. So Well, I want
0: to see a spin-off where all they do is talk about everything that's in the other cells.
1: See? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that would just be so cool. Read, read I would that. totally read that. That's a recommendation. Yeah. Um, Gremlins, they go some crazy mythology in, mm-hmm. into that um, novelization. The Manitou is one that it's an outrageous movie that I think might be improved by the novelization. Um, one that I would love to read but haven't gotten a hold of is the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors novelization oh, cool. because it's okay. based on Wes Craven's first draft. So obviously going to be very different. Um, So, yeah, I just, I mean, like, obviously to each their own. But if you are getting into novelizations of horror movies, then gravitate towards the movies that you like is my suggestion.
0: That makes sense. Works for me. Call two.
1: Hi, this is Megan again calling from Pennsylvania. Um, So I am obsessed with the movie The Black Coat. The, The Black Coat's daughter, for some reason. It might be because... Kiernan Shipka is, like, really creepy in the movie. Um, I just wanted to see if any of you guys have seen it and what your thoughts are on that. And also, I was finally able to watch Alison's birthday that Xena had recommended a few times. I did enjoy that. Um, I really like some of the Australian horror movies. I think they're kind of different than American ones. So... I wanted to see if you guys had any other recommendations for Australian horror movies as well, so that's your thoughts on the Black Coat's daughter and Australian movie recommendations. Thanks bye
0: thanks Megan uh, again, evidently, thanks for calling back. We always like hearing from listeners multiple times Woo-woo. uh i'm gonna I'm gonna take this first because I know Megan and Zena are really good at recommendations, and they'll just take all mine <laughs> Uh I'll get to Black Oat's daughter in a second. First, before I forget, uh recommendations for Australian horror movies. One, I just I I, I strongly recommend not quite Hollywood, just for the exploitation aspect mm-hmm. of it'll actually give you a ton of titles within that documentary. And it's a really great documentary on the Australian uh the Australian film industry and like the progression that it's had over the decades. Um so not quite Hollywood. But I also like Razorback, which I think was the mm-hmm. eighties. And then which yeah. essentially 84 and then uh boar which was basically the remake <laughs> like i think i think Razorback saw a lot of popularity like come back and then they're like oh well let's do another one on a giant feral pig Uh-oh. um i like boar it might still be on shutter uh babadook wolf creek um and then if new zealand counts i would say deathgasm deathgasm is hilarious Just it a, is. A, a, right up there if you love horror comedies you have to see deathgasm it's so good and then I wasn't sure about the gray area of does it count if it was filmed there sort of thing. If that counts, then I would also throw in Dark City, which you just don't hear a lot of people talk about for some reason. Um, so let's do the recommendations and then Black Coat's Daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan, you got recommendations?
1: The Loved Ones is always at the top of my list mm-hmm. for Australian yes. horror. The Loved Ones. Um, this one comes with the Trigger Warning, but Hounds of Love. Mm -hmm. because it is super super brutal the subject matter know your boundaries for that one but i i think that one is amazing so powerful um lake mungo Mm -hmm. i'm surprised that john did not Lake
0: mungo uh, (laughs) that was such a failure on my behalf
1: (laughs) next of kin that's uh 82 Mm -hmm. horror movie boys in the trees which is a little bit harder to find these days it was on netflix forever that one's a halloween set yeah nineties, coming of age, Halloween, horror and rogue. I mean, you covered Greg mm-hmm. McLean's Wolf Creek, so I'm going with the killer croc. So yeah. <laughs> those, those were some.
2: Um, I what was, was gonna say Hounds of Love, but give a warning with that one. And plus the soundtrack is mm-hmm. like, Woo. Um I'm gonna go with something recent that just came out this year, Relic twenty twenty. It actually is yes. an Australian oh, movie Relic. and it's really good. Like the horror drama. Um, and then one of my favorite movies, Patrick from nineteen seventy eight. It Patrick, rocks yep. so hard. It's very On weird. On Shutter,
1: I'm pretty On sure. Shutter.
2: Yeah. and um a last one primal from 2010 i, I believe it was like kind of like a made for tv movie it used to be used to come on the air, like air on the sci-fi channel often and i know it, it sounds like oh sci-fi no it's so <laughs> good so the... uh yeah those voices but yeah th- those are my recommendations for that primal is that the one with like the things in the water that it, it is it's like uh these uh students Okay. So these students, they go um, swimming, and then this one girl, like something gets okay. in her get, gets into her, and then she goes <laughs> back and she just starts acting like an animal, and yeah, uh, yeah start hunting one. down her friends and killing them one by, one, and it's brutal. Yay Aussie horror!
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, evidently a a, a one eighty on a not Australian horror, which was actually asked first. What did you think of uh, Black Coat's Daughter?
1: Was that a Zena recommendation from last week? I think because she might have well, been the caller for the Satanic horrors, so she probably yes. was calling back to
2: say that she oh, liked that recommendation. That's probably she what it was. She loved Allison's birthday. Yes, Megan, we're about to be best <laughs> friends. Um, I I like that movie. It's the kind of movie that I can't watch too often, though, just because you know how it is. You, you want to keep that love and not keep yeah. on watching it. Um, like that but I feel like it's very uh, mesmerizing and memorable and even with the director mm-hmm. Oz Perkins truth be told like I didn't watch his first his first feature first well this is his first feature but oh, okay. I kind of I kind of went a little bit backwards so I remember watching um, this one first but then I skipped his uh, second one I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house I don't know why I, I still haven't watched that one yet. And then I went to Gretel and Hansel and that one's like really good. So side note though, I do recommend to our listener that she just checks out his, his whole filming record thing. Record, but Yeah. I'm a fan of that one.
0: <laughs> How about you, Megan? Do you like Black Coat Stutter?
2: I mostly
1: liked it. I think I, I would have liked it more if the casting of Emma Roberts, like that, Mm threw me for a loop for certain reasons that i don't want to get into for spoiler but (laughs) otherwise i think it's really good it's definitely moody it's definitely atmospheric and slow and i love Mm -hmm. like the plot and this twist on kind of uh the (laughs) satanic subject matter (laughs) me skirting like spoilers here but I think that's the one thing that, like, even though Emma Roberts is good on it, it took me a while to catch on to certain plot details because mm-hmm. of that.
0: Yeah, I normally I'm hit or miss on slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um again as we discussed previously any any movie that reminds me of like high school years and high school awkwardness <laughs> not that I not that you could technically say that this is the sort of high school awkwardness that I personally I should hope through.
1: not otherwise we have some <laughs> questions Yeah
2: come on
0: <laughs> No you have a whole different set of questions for me that doesn't relate to this and I I really like the last 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the build up as much in this one, but also again I watch a lot of movies as background noise or yeah, you like pay I'm attention. watching but I'm not necessarily watching. And it's a very quiet movie. It's very sparse as far as dialogue is concerned. But when when you really get into it, that last 30 minutes worked really really well for me, especially the spoiler not a spoiler. I won't call it a spoiler, but the the please don't go part is so good. Yeah. That is such a great, brilliant scene, in my opinion, that I can't get into because I don't want to do spoilers. Yeah. But if you're watching it, if you're a little bit bored, if it feels a little bit tedious early on, stick with it. Just finish it out. At least you gotta at least see mm-hmm. the end because I think it pays off for sure.
2: And I kind of wish that they would have kept their original title. Oh yeah. What was February. Their title? February. February.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Oh. hmm. I'm going to think on that for way too long and well i think on that <laughs> welcome to the bloody disgusting podcast everyone the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world and to discuss the disgusting you know her as lead movie critic for bloody disgusting horror movie fanatic and journalist megan navarro hey megan hello and you know her from her youtube channel and website real queen of horror and for her infinite love for the genre Zena dixon hey Zena.
2: hi It was
1: so subdued compared to the tea <laughs> she had tea energy and it disappeared already <laughs>
0: She just got all bummed out about the changing of the movie title. No. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> Introspective.
0: And I'm John.
1: I'm John. <laughs> if you
0: listen to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been <laughs> filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do a quick round the table for all the movies, books, games, and anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So Zena, what's been filling your heart this week?
2: So the first thing that I watched, <laughs> I watched... <laughs> you, you want to feel my it's energy. energy. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah. <laughs> the first movie I watched really dug of, of the week last week, um, The Call on Netflix from 2020. It is a South Korean movie. Um, and I think they just put it on there maybe like last month. Uh, connected by phone in the same home, but 20 years apart, a serial killer puts another woman's past in life on the line to change her own fate. So this movie was adapted from Matthew Parkhill's Supernatural Horror, The Caller, from 2011. Not too sure if any of you guys uh, checked out that one. So I have cool. not seen that one, no. Yeah, it's a cool little mm-hmm. indie movie. Um, so technically, The Call, it is a thriller, but it has supernatural and sci-fi elements. And just a heads up, um, I-, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but it is a really intense and very complicated movie. Um, I, I love my phone. I like to have it in my hand. And even when it comes to when I'm watching like international movies, but for this one, I had to put it down and like really follow, um, which I didn't mind because I kind of felt invested. You feel that way. I want to say within the first 20 minutes. Um, so as far as it goes with the acting, it's really phenomenal. Um, so I might mess up some of the names, but there's an actress named Jung Jong Seo and her laugh—it is insanity. I've never like. She's like you know. Obviously, I said a serial killer, so she's the serial killer. Ha. Huh? Okay. <laughs> so, and she laughs a lot, and it's just like it's—it's it's scary, you know, just the way her her range, the way she was able to do that. And then there's another actress that's in it, Park Shin She's from the show The Airs that I told you guys about, the Korean drama, the one that made me lose my mind.
0: Um, yeah. Her. Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: yeah once again if you ever want to lose your mind just, just watch that <laughs> show <laughs> got it but um, she was the girl that I told you guys about where she was crying every day of her life well her range in this movie is seriously incredible like She's just an amazing actress, and even when it comes to, like, the cinematography, I felt, well, I feel like it's, like, very beautiful. Like, when, like, the way the colors, like, the the contrast, the way it just pops, like, the very opening scene, it's the most memorable for me because the leading woman, she's dropped off at this, like, elegant countryside house, but it's not just any house, okay? It's, like, (laughs) a creepy... Of course not. It's a creepy gothic house. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, it's just beautiful. I highly recommend you check it out. I had a lot of fun. It was just refreshing. I know it's a storyline that we've kind of heard before, but I really liked it a lot. So that's the first one. It's been
1: on my radar, so now I'm going to have to bump it up.
2: Yay! Okay, then the second one, uh, while I was decorating my tree, I decided to rewatch P2 on Peacock. <laughs> from oh, a very it's a
1: seasonally choice.
2: appropriate, you know, yes. tree
1: decorating movie here.
2: Absolutely. You know, um, my father-in-law, he is a man of the Lord, and he told me to pick a movie. He said any oh. movie. So Has he not as- learned yet? <laughs> that's what he. That's what I mean. You told me to pick a movie, so I did. You said it just Aww. needs to be Christmas themed. Surprise, surprise! Of all the Christmas for, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but he he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. He's 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 always very invested with the characters. So, for those of you who have not seen P two. A businesswoman is pursued by a psychopath after being locked in a parking garage on Christmas Eve. So this is a very simple movie with a simple, you know, synopsis. Again, we kind of seen this before and it's not, I don't want to say that, oh my God, it's super scary and gory, but there will be scenes, there may be scenes that may make you squirm. I know for me. That happened very often. One involving a fingernail. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, It, it takes a lot to maintain these. So the thought of that, I couldn't imagine. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, considering that, you know, it's the same location throughout the movie, you would think that you'll get bored from it, but I wasn't bored at all. And it's been a couple of years since I've watched this movie. But I just felt like it's a very captivating story i love the way it's filmed i feel like they're able to keep their viewers engaged and even when you think about it a a deserted parking lot underground or just deserted parking lot okay they're already creepy on their own but obviously when you add like a psychopath to the mix i mean that's too much razzle dazzle for anybody like i razzle dazzle (laughs) it's just a lot but yeah um the kills are very brutal again even um just going back with that fingernail scene like it just you don't understand like that just gave me like you were just uh, you kind of just cringe you know with that kind of part so um but yeah anyway um i like to think just to top it off i just always thought that this movie is like a christmas like romance comedy gone wrong you know minus the comedy In some ways, because, and hear me out, I see your face, Megan. I'm like (laughs) romantic comedy. I love how
1: warped you get with these descriptions.
2: Because it's kind of like, you know, with these Christmas movies, I I, I like to watch a lot of. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I like to watch a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies. And there's usually like this guy who's pursuing a girl and he just wants to confess his love to the oblivious girl, even though it's Claire's day, you know, Claire, yeah. he likes you. I know that's not her name, but, you know, just making it up. But yeah, um, turns out, though, it's, it's not like that at all. I mean, it is, but it's just that, you know, He's just Wesley a flat-out Bentley's creep. character. Yeah. yeah, it's like Wesley Bentley's character. Clearly he's just mentally deranged and he's obsessed with her. So it's not like that really, but, but yeah. yeah. And yeah, Wesley yeah. Bentley, he's a great actor. I love seeing him playing the creepy dude. He always does such a great job. I know. So yeah. So I, I recommend that if you haven't seen this movie to check it out. Um, it's a perfect movie for the month of December. So and for tree go. decorating. Cos- yes, Christmas tree cookie decorating. baking. Make some hot cocoa with it. Playing yeah. In the background. I agree. That is a fun movie. So nice pick. I'm glad Thanks. that your father-in-law was entertained by it. Me too. I thought he was going to run for his life, but surprise. <laughs> so what did you watch,
1: Megan? I watched Trampa Infernell. Uh It's on the YouTube channel I mentioned last week, the uh, White Slaves of Chinatown Redux channel. It is, uh, it needs, I, I keep hoping like Vinegar Syndrome or somebody will pick it up and put it out on blue. It's a 1989 Mexican slasher in which a group of seven young people embark on a bear hunting trip in the woods. And they are, they don't know that it's inhabited by a crazed Vietnam vet named Jesse who will do anything to protect his territory. <laughs> now, this plot description sounds far tamer than what you get. I mean, it's, it's really short. It's like an hour, 16-ish minutes. And... It's insanity. Like, it's this weird kind of riff on a whole bunch of different things. Like, for starters, it's got almost like a first blood kind of setup where this crazed Vietnam vet is like, this is my area. And if you're trespassing, I will kill you. But he's got, like, this really weird mannequin face. Like, it's this mask that's highly detailed, like a mannequin and a blonde wig and these Freddy Krueger claws and these kids yeah and these kids like they're they're betting they're not even normal bear hunters they're just like one the main character named nacho and his rival keep competing and they just have bet each other that they're going to catch this bear so them and their friends and girlfriends go into the woods and they're toting guns which is a very interesting kind of concept when you have this crazed person in the woods with Freddy Krueger claws against a bunch of gun-toting, like, t- 20-somethings? I don't know. So, if that sounds like madness, it's because it is. And, I don't Wait. know, it's it's pretty entertaining.
2: Wait, I have so many questions. <laughs> I will hopefully what's, answer them. What's with the mannequin? I just looked it up. What's with the yes. mannequin head? Yes, exactly. Like, that
1: alone is a cell. <laughs> For me. Like you want your slasher to be memorable and hey, that is memorable. I don't oh know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so look look it up. Trampa Infernal, um, which, you know, translates to Hell's Trap. He does I guess he does some traps. He he does do some traps. <laughs> but yeah, it's an it's 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 an insane movie. And uh if you are, you know, wanting something short and insane, it's on YouTube. So I recommend. Hmm. And then, for a less insane movie, I watched Anything <laughs> for Jackson on Shudder, which is brand new release. It just dropped what last week. You mentioned mm-hmm. it last week. So, I actually saw this earlier um, for Fantasia Film Festival, but I really liked it. And so, I'm like, I'm going to watch it again. And it is about an elder couple. Um, they are still mourning the loss of their grandson in, a, in an accident and decide to turn to Satanism to uh, try and revive him. They kidnap a pregnant woman so they can transfer his spirit into her unborn baby. The problem, though, is that they are brand new to Satanism and don't know what they're doing and wind up kind of <laughs> opening up the gates to more spirits entering their house. So it's this interesting, spooky yet darkly comedic at times story that's kind of been touted as a as a reverse exorcism um it's set i'm they're, they're not very specific over the holiday but i mean it's definitely a winter set um so maybe it's even anti nativity or, or you know i don't know but i really liked it it's it's got some good scares it's definitely got a good plot it's well acted um and any i just want to Also, shout out my boy, Troy James, because anytime he's in a movie, it makes me happy. Or a show. Um, He was the jangly man in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yeah. Pretzel Jack in, I think, season four of Channel Zero. Like, he's known for his contortions, and he's so super nice and loves scaring people. So, he's a go. The ghosts are very creative. I love the ghost designs. But, yeah, it's a refreshing kind of anti or reverse exorcism twist so I highly recommend it's I think one of my favorites of the year. Oh,
2: Okay.
0: I, I recently had that recommended by someone on Instagram. So yeah, I'm really curious to check that one out. And especially that you had Darkly comedic. Like sure why not? Yeah. I'll give that a shot.
1: Yeah. What'd you watch? Uh
0: so I got pretty excited when I uh, opened up Amazon and I saw that Shocker is now available on HBO via Amazon. Woo so happy 1989 after being sent to the electric chair a serial killer uses electricity to come back from the dead and carry out his vengeance on the football player who turned him into the police it's been a while since i've seen shocker i forgot how bonkers this movie is yeah <laughs> it's it's this amazing mix of like nightmare on elm street the dead zone and stay tuned starring john ritter yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's just like it's and Mitch Pelegi is so over the top. Like yeah. you know, the first time I remember ever seeing him was X-Files. And so we see different. him as like the most over-the-top serial killer you've ever seen. Like the 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 ritual he does in his jail cell and like all of it. <laughs> it's just so crazy that like you just, I, I don't know. It's so hard to put into words if you've never seen Shocker, but it does solidify my belief that Stu needs to return because uh, I, I forget the serial killer's name in it, but his head goes through a TV and he does not die. He gets mildly electrocuted and then just shakes it off. Stu's coming back. Just shakes it off. Brings Stu back. <laughs> he
2: was,
1: yeah. Hashtag brings
0: Stu back.
2: Stu was also stabbed and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't was, doing dying. well.
0: <laughs> well, so was, so was Dewey. He got stabbed multiple times.
1: But he didn't say, I think you got me like you went to. <laughs> what did he say? There was like the whole line Whereas I think I'm <laughs> yeah. dying
0: here. Then, well, he also said, my mom and dad are going to be so oh. pissed. <laughs> Which is the best? He's
2: so sad. I know he was a killer.
0: I, I mean,
1: love I Steve. love Stu, but I think you're you're crossing over outside of Scream territory. You just want I'm not a shocker, a shocker reboot, but starring Stu. What if it's like I mean, a spinoff? Or
0: yeah, and or yeah, I'll take both. Okay, you know what? Novelization. There you go.
1: I think there <laughs> is a shocker novelization, just not with Stu.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Now I need to check that out. Yeah. Um, dear Santa. And then I checked out uh, 2020's Ghosts of War, which popped up on Netflix last week. And I was like, Ghosts of War? Oh, this sounds interesting. Five American soldiers assigned to hold a French chateau near the end of World War II. This unexpected respite quickly descends into madness when they encounter a supernatural enemy more terrifying than anything seen on a battlefield. So I love the concept of this. Falls apart a little bit at the end for me. Um, but I love it it pulled me in so well with the concept of because early on in the movie the violence is very casual and aggressive, like immediately that like these are like battle worn soldiers that it's just like all right, there's the enemy, he's a little wounded, just shoot him in the head. But like, like there's no like people barely flinch, it's just like people people are dying, whatever. And then the idea of taking people who have seen like the worst things that they can possibly see that people could imagine in day to day life as soldiers being in war zones and and everything else, and then put them in a haunted house, (laughs) like, like that's a different level than just putting a family in a haunted house, putting a single woman in a haunted house with a strange call, whatever, like battle hardened soldiers who are already carrying their own demons and everything else with them then on top of it they have to face this thing that they can't fight and they don't understand. I love the concept. I just wish they'd wrapped it up stronger hmm. for me. Um and I don't want to spoil it. It's definitely worth a watch. It's it's like 90 minutes long. It's actually really fast. Um and I think you'll see at the end it could have worked a little bit better. I didn't like what they were doing with CGI. Um, if you've seen the movie, you'll yeah. kind of understand uh, when when you get kind of the turn. Um, but Netflix, low barrier to entry. If you're interested in concepts of like World War II horror or anything like that, definitely worth it. it it's it's an interesting watch because it definitely did have you like asking questions like, well, why? how does he know this? Why are they saying this? That doesn't sound appropriate for the time, things like that. And it's interesting. I liked it.
3: Uh, And
0: finally, 2014's Afflicted on Amazon. I forgot the name of this, so when I saw this pop-up, I was really excited to remember what this was, much like uh, The Conspiracy. It was one of those phone footage movies I watched, and then I forgot what it was called. I was like, that was a really good movie. What the hell was that called?
1: I like like this one.
0: Afflicted on Amazon. Two best friends see their trip of a lifetime take a dark turn when one of them is struck by a mysterious affliction. Now in a foreign land, they race to uncover the source before it consumes him completely. There are few things that I like more in a horror movie than one that just catches me by surprise, and it's well, not. Yeah. Necess- it's just like, it's, and I think found footage does that for me because one, because I watch so many of them, mm-hmm. and but to to actually take the concepts that we've seen before in other horror movies. And just kind of subtly, like, oh God, I wish I would, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for anybody because it's such a great found footage movie. Um, but just the concept of you're in a foreign place, something really messed up happens, like the only person you're there with is your best friend. Yeah. And the concept that's set up really early is one of the friends basically has a, 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 a um, he's going to die. Like he has like a brain and like he has something in his brain, like a brain tumor that's gonna kill him Mm -hmm, at some point. And his friend they decide they're gonna do this round the world trip. His friend's a videographer, so that sets up why are they filming, why do they have cameras, all that stuff. Perfect, fine. And then like you're in a foreign land and something messed up happens and your friend's getting really sick and you don't know what to do. Like, what are you gonna do? And then it kinda just gets crazier and crazier (laughs) as you as you watch the film and it's really good it's really simple and subtle Uh, and and then like you're just kind of in the middle of it it's if you're not a huge found footage fan I think you'll still really like this movie because it just plays really well just as as a horror movie
1: yeah it's like action horror which is not an easy thing to do in in the found footage format
0: and I think that was part of it that really got me is yeah it's that concept of like all of a sudden like my heart was like Going, like for for the action aspect of yeah. it and like all of a sudden like in the unraveling of the mystery and like trying to figure everything out and it was it was really well done not a new concept within the movie without doing spoilers yeah. but really really well done in the phone footage format that I think frankly is served best by the phone footage format if this were just a regular movie about yeah. it I yeah I think it would just be like okay for They're in a they're in a foreign land, something's happening. We've seen it before, but yeah,
1: it's a refreshing spin on it.
0: Because like yeah, like you're learning it with him at the same time, sort of thing, like through that lens, and it really, really works for me. So I really liked it. So that might have been the fastest what we watched we've ever done. So before we move on, what did we watch and how did we watch it?
2: So I watched The Call on Netflix and P two on Peacock. Hey, alliteration. (laughs)
1: i I watched trampa infernal on youtube and anything for jackson on shutter
0: and i watched 1989's shocker on hbo via amazon 2020's ghosts of war on netflix and 2014's afflicted on amazon and that's enough of what we've been watching this week it's time for megan to bring us up to speed on all the news and trending topics in the world of horror so what's going on megan
1: Matt Reeves is producing 1940s set horror movie Switchboard. So uh, if you don't know Matt Reeves, he is the director of the original Cloverfield, uh, the upcoming The Batman movie. He's done, I think, two out of the three new Planet of the Apes movies. I really liked those. He's done a lot of stuff. I like his stuff, uh, is the point. Um, but Paranormal Activities, <laughs> Steven Schneider, and Armand Zoris of newly formed genre banner Dark Hell have teamed up to produ- produce Switchboard, a period horror movie from actor turned screenwriter Devin Gray, who wrote the who recently wrote the Helen Hunt thriller I See You. Mm-hmm. So Gray's spec script is set in the late 1940s and centers on a young female Switchboard operator who finds herself communicating with and possibly targeted by an active serial killer. As their conversation intensifies, she begins to question her safety, her sanity, and her reality. So, I like the idea of a period horror movie. I like mm-hmm. that it's very small-scaled, which means that, you know, you're you're not going to have to worry about a big budget. This could be done pretty easily. I think, kind of buried in this news, I like that they, Matt Reeves and Paranormal Activities, Steven Schneider... Have a newly formed genre banner, which means they will be focusing on genre output, and I always love that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on any of that
0: i when I first read this, i it's funny because I'm a little bit torn between the concept of killer calls someone because that's a old trope, which is fine. yeah, but then, like, with a switchboard operator. Like holy crap! When has a switchboard operator ever been a main character in anything?
2: Fast of Night. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. I...
2: Did I steal it? No, I was gonna say so. Oh wait, I got excited. Uh, that's why I was just okay. Oh, well, you be excited? You know,
0: I just I like the idea of kind of doing a period piece horror. Yeah, too. so do I. But like you know, but not necessarily you know like like witch or something you, like that. You, a little more
1: modern period. Like,
0: yeah, but at the same time it's still like the 40s and and
1: it's not necessarily like World set. War set. It's like every time you have like a 40s set, it's like the default is is a World War, but it sounds like it's much more like intimate and not related mm-hmm. to
0: which I like. I also I also really like the the potential depth which they might not even touch on in this. Like now uh, the idea of like when a stranger calls or something like that. If something if this were set in 2020, the characters within it—not that they shouldn't be horrified, but they should be like, oh, like, oh my god, this is a serial killer. Mm-hmm. In the 1940s, did they even know what a serial killer was? Like, I don't. That could be like even more. Know that they really coined that
1: term until when? The 70s or something? I don't think that they. I think the so. 70s? I
0: think it was that late. Yeah. So like that could be like that extra level of her sincerely being like. No seriously, what the hell is going on?
2: <laughs> I I like the the aspect of it being like switchboard because um back in the nineties they had this. I've seen a couple of movies and even some episodes. I don't remember if it was like um tales from the crypt or. Monster. i don't remember but where it was more like voicemail not voicemail answer machine type of thing there was like businesses instead of people buying like a answering machine thingy they would have like the service where you call in and the person will take the message for you and there's a movie or a show i can't remember the name but where this woman she's one of those people who she like takes down the messages for people, and then there just so happens to be a serial killer who's targeting her. So, I don't know. That made me think about it. And it made me excited because I was thinking, like, oh, man, this would, make, this would be great if we had something like this now. But kind of like what you said, John, like it's 2020, so, you know, that's not really possible. So, Well, have you ever seen or heard of the movie
1: called The Guilty? It's like a Danish movie. I think it's from 2017 no. or 2018. It's currently on Hulu. No. But hmm. it's he's... Um, uh, kind of a cop that's been punished to desk duty like he's having to work the call board mm. and so he's getting this call that comes in and it is surprisingly intense for a movie that is really just from his perspective you know it's a one location it's him everything's coming in through through the phone and yet it's super intense so if you haven't seen that, I, I highly recommend checking it out for kind of an idea of how like a concept like this could work.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And I think they're remaking it nice. in, uh,
2: in the U.S. Because, of course.
1: <laughs> um, and then Netflix acquired the Tony Collette and Anna Kendrick starring sci-fi thriller Stowaway. So Joe Penna, I think he directed, yeah, director of the Mads Mickelson starring Arctic, which I have not seen. I don't know if either of you have seen. No, um, I haven't. But he's
0: no—that's no. the one where he's trapped the the plane crash, right? I don't
1: know. I thought this was like the, I thought Arctic was like a super heroey, like a comic book based movie, but I don't know. None, none of us have seen it, so
0: oh, you mean pol- you mean polar? I don't,
1: well, hell, I don't even know at this point. Maybe I'm confusing the oh. Mads Mikkelsen movies, but it's like he did yeah, do I, Arctic, so maybe you're right there.
0: I think Arctic was uh, uh, one where he in was that? in a plane crash, but I think there's one called Polar where he's like a super spy. I think uh, that's what it's called. I, I did see that. I they're so similarly
1: the titled. That's the
2: action one, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't... Either way, Emily's Joe kind who
1: directed that. He's headed to mm-hmm. outer space for the sci-fi thriller Stowaway. It's got Anna Kendrick and Tony Collette leading, uh, but Daniel Day Kim, who was in uh, Hellboy, and Shamir Anderson, mm-hmm. who was in the TV series Winona Earp, they also star. So as for the plot, while on a mission to Mars, an unintended stowaway accidentally causes severe damage to the spaceship's life support systems. Facing dwindling resources and potentially grim outcome, medical researcher emerges as the only dissenting voice against the clinical logic of both of her commander and the ship's biologist. Um, Hmm. It's a very intense sounding plot, but Netflix (laughs) acquired near global rights to the film and they're expected to release it yeah which means just about every market worldwide like that's that's the the reach so they're expected to to release that sometime next year okay. so yeah i don't know how you feel about space set thrillers
0: uh, it depends on the space set thriller i guess like i you know i like the idea if again it's all about like the depth of it like you know i can watch doom and I can watch or, – or, um, or, um, or oh, man, what's the one with Randy Quaid and, and Ben Foster? Um,
1: Pandorum? It's not Randy Pandorum. Quaid. Dennis yeah. Quaid. It's a very different – Dennis Quaid, sorry. Different dude. Very
0: different Quaid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or, or Pandorum and obviously, like, Alien and stuff like that. Like, I can – it's still – the concept of space – it's funny just be, because it's like I tend to forget when I'm watching them. Like, even Alien. Yeah. Like I forget that they're in space, mm-hmm. except at the very end, you know, and like, yeah, there's the external shots and everything, but it's still taking place indoors. So to me, when I think space or sci-fi or something like that, all I think is I'm just going to be looking at stuff that looks like future tech. But the concept of space itself isn't, doesn't play in a lot for me, at least in the stuff that I watch. Yeah.
1: Well, I think in, in certain scenarios, like this is interesting, because to me it sounds like Like, Gravity, where it was, like, one disaster after another, and you're in space, so you are already way more vulnerable, because it's not like you can just open a door and step outside, you know? So,
0: And I think because I recently watched Ad Astra, and that did not land for me at all. Fair. That that I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. Tony Collette and Anna Kendrick, I'm I'm more than happy to give it a watch, but I'll just be curious to see, like, what they bring to the table for it.
1: Absolutely. Same. For sure, like Toni Collette's involvement alone is enough for for me to be like sold mm-hmm. because she has said in interviews before she doesn't really like horror. So,
0: funny thing to say since she's one, in one of the most horrific movies of all time.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've heard it before where there are actors who are like, "I will do it if it's the right role in the right movie, but otherwise right. I'm terrified of horror." And that's her. Is like she doesn't mm-hmm. naturally oh, sure. gravitate yeah. because, you know, horror is scary. So, yeah, I, uh, yes. yeah, she kills it though. So whatever drew her is, is an intriguing thing for me. And we will get that sometime next year on Netflix, apparently.
2: Sounds and good.
1: in news that should make John happy, possibly overlord <laughs> director, Julius Avery is going to helm a new take on Van Helsing for universal with James Wan producing universal attempted the whole, what, what do they call it? The dark, universe or something The dark
0: universe and that did not yeah. go
1: anywhere but they're they have they're finding every loophole i think that they can you know and if that amounts to good horror for us hooray uh so they're working well a- dark
0: universe didn't work because of the mummy
1: well yeah and i think <laughs> planning you can't really plan a whole universe i think you have to start small and focus on good movies which you know Agreed. invisible man proof
0: it needs to become a universe You're right So, Like Iron Man turned into the Marvel Universe, not the other way around. You
1: can't play—yeah, start with your building blocks first. Um, Universal's working on a brand new movie for Van Helsing, and Julius Avery has been set to direct with James Wan Producing. So sources told Deadline—it was Deadline that broke the news—that they are developing an original horror thriller inspired by the studio's classic monster legacy set in the world of Van Helsing, which is an interesting phrasing. Uh, The log line for the script is being kept under wraps, meaning that we have no clue what what the plot is or anything. Eric Pearson wrote the script, which Avery is rewriting, which is interesting to note because Pearson recently wrote for he he was one of the writers on the new Godzilla vs. Kong, Thor Mm -hmm. Ragnarok, the upcoming Black Widow. So clearly, he's well versed in action horror, and obviously, Julius Avery, if you've watched Overlord, is heavily well versed in action horror. So, what kind of rewrites is he doing? We don't know because obviously, we don't know anything about the plot. Um, which I'm I'm curious because you know, Van Helsing has been around as long as Dracula has. Universal attempted to launch an action horror franchise with the character in 2004's Van Helsing mm-hmm. when, you know, the character was played by Hugh Jackman. And obviously that was a flap, a flop. So that ended, you know, sequel slash fa- franchise potential. So I don't know if they're attempting like this is attempt number two to kind of do a Van Helsing uh, franchise or what, really. Basically, up until that point, he's always been kind of like the older, you know mentor the the mm-hmm. professorly
2: type so i, I don't know How about you, used... you guys but i've i've never checked out the one from 2004 so i can't really speak on that um but i know
0: <laughs> you're you're okay
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i, I kind of felt like i was gonna say like from the poster and from the trailer it didn't really seem appealing to me but that yeah. character but van helsing like obviously the character seems like a really cool character someone that you would want to see on screen like on screen and everything so i i know that their budget was huge from 2004 right so
0: oh yeah that was huge yeah
2: so maybe hopefully this time around um because i i do like james um not james julius avery so hopefully i think that this day they, they found like the right a right director for it to take it in a great direction
0: well, you know, the the 2004 version was so C- CGI heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they were leaning so much on special effects and it it, it was it was a it was a big budget movie. Mm-hmm. And it was I feel like it was a big budget with people's eyes on making money. And so like it doesn't yeah, it doesn't hold up great <laughs> for me. I remember seeing it in the theaters <laughs> and Aww think i might even own it. i did co- too i haven't seen it enough. since no it, yeah it's it's not great but again like it was super cgi heavy but to the point of like they were t- like they were trying to reinvent all the monsters they were trying to reinvent Van helsing he had all these mm-hmm. gadgets and stuff like that and like it was leaning more on those concepts versus the story itself yeah um which was also pretty convoluted it's like i'm so uh, i mean i love overlord um and I was actually thinking about it that I, need, I was going to watch it again this week <laughs> just because, like, I finally gave it a full chance. I'm like, God, that's just a good movie. Um, and I love James Wan. And, but Van Helsing has been recreated in so many iterations over the years. Yeah. Whether it be in Dracula 3000 or in Van Helsing or in Bram Stoker's Dracula or whatever. Like, it's just Van Helsing becomes intrinsic within the source material. So I would I'm just more curious to see who they create for Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. You know, just like what's the approach?
1: That's that yeah, that's the big mystery here. But I do think that like you were saying is they need to separate him from Dracula. Like we're already we've had what, two hundred years of adaptations of Dracula. <laughs> and yeah. you know, if you're going to center a franchise around him. You know, I think it goes back to, like, a lot of the comic book movies is where they keep doing the same origin story. Like, mm-hmm. do something else. Mm-hmm. We already know, you know, his role in we the Dracula We don't need to saga. see
0: Batman's parents die yeah. again.
1: Martha <laughs> and the Pearls. Like, how many movies have we seen that happen And Like, stop. Stop. Put the pearls away. Put the steak away. With Pick up, pearls. you know.
0: Yes. Which we've we've already seen, not to get dive into the comic book right. movies, but... If you've watched Spider-Man Homecoming, you saw that you don't need to show him become Spider-Man mm-hmm. or or maybe he was in Civil War first, but they literally, it's just him like, yeah, and I got bit. And then all of a sudden I had these powers. They just, like, they gloss over or it even because into it's like, the oh, everybody knows.
1: Like that one was really good. And we didn't have to backtrack and give the whole same, you know, yeah, Aunt you Uncle Ben, it. whatever Aunt May origin thing. Like- we are savvy enough. So, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. you don't need to go 2004 where you throw every monster in the mix at once and you definitely don't need to retread Dracula. Like, we know that. So, I don't know. Give yeah. give us something interesting. You know, like uh, Anthony Hopkins in in Bram Stoker's Dracula was a very colorful, interesting version of that character. Give us yeah. something like that that's action-based that's, you know interesting and subversive that we haven't seen and we'll we'll be there
0: yeah i would just i think i would just like to see more depth of the character like yeah where he's been the supporting role he's been the dracula's hunter and like that's his obsession like just give me more depth just give me more to the character for me to care about than he's Mm -hmm. chasing dracula
1: so yeah and in the possibly biggest news ever of everdom of 2020 Uh, WB announced that they are sending their entire 2021 slate to HBO Max and theaters. So we have no idea what, yeah, we have no idea what this year, what this upcoming year is going to look like, uh, especially on the theatrical front. And Warner Brothers Picture Group isn't taking any chances. They announced last week that they their entire slate's gonna go it's gonna debut exclusively on HBO Max the same day as theaters with a 30-day window. So that means that it's going to release in theaters, and you don't have to go see it if you're an HBO Max subscriber, because you can just pull it up on your Chromecast or web browser and watch it that same day, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. So well none of these dates I may mean, not
0: good for the theater industry but good for us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll circle back to that. Um but while none of these dates are set in stone as of now, that means that a whole lot of films are coming straight to HBO Max next year. Uh Adam Wingard directed Godzilla vs. Kong which is currently set for release on May 21st. Uh the series director James Wan passed the baton to Michael Chavez for mm-hmm. Conjuring 3 that's slated for June 4th. The James Wan directed Giallo inspired *Malignant*, and the new *Mortal Kombat*. They don't have dates yet currently, but those are expected. Uh, genre adjacent movies: uh, James Gunn's *Suicide Squad*, which is currently slated for August sixth. Denis Villeneuve's uh, *Dune*, which is currently set for October twenty first. *The Matrix* mm-hmm. four for December twenty second. So these are, these are some huge, huge like blockbuster titles. Uh, and they're all tentatives, so that could shift, you know, especially because today, which, you know, will be Monday by the time this this airs, but of, according to various reports that came out in the wake of, of this major bombshell news, uh, production company Legendary Pictures, they're not exactly happy about this and clearly weren't consulted beforehand, and they are uh, discussing possible legal measures.
2: Wow. Because
1: they... They funded a lot of of these movies. They considered they contributed a significant amount to the net budget for uh, Godzilla versus Kong and Dune. Reportedly, mm-hmm. like roughly seventy five percent of the net budget for these films to get made. So clearly, they should have a say in how those films get released. So basically. 2020 is a dumpster fire and it has thrown everything out of whack and we have no idea what to expect. I mean, from a consumer standpoint, like, yeah, it's amazing because, you know, if you don't feel safe going to the theaters and, you know, why necessarily would you? Um, Mm -hmm. Despite, you know, the theaters doing their best efforts with what we all have to work with. um, This is a way to get those movies out. And safely Mm and. And. These studios need to make some money, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. What What is your gut reaction right off the bat?
2: Um. Honestly, kind of like what what John said. Like it's good for me for for us because it's just kind of like okay, cool. You can watch it at home. You could be comfortable at home. You don't have to hear someone yelling or someone's baby or whatever. But I really love going to the movies. I miss. I know I can't go. I know we can't go. Yeah. Most of us, but. Um, I, I just think that it kind of sucks because now it's kind of like, what does that mean for you know movie theaters? In yeah. the future. So that's that's what's heartbreaking. Like, of course it'll be great to see these movies, and some movies, honestly, that they're they're better when you see them on the big screen. Absolutely. So. Um, This isn't a horror, obviously, but even this weekend, I checked out Mulan on Disney Plus and man, I think it would have been great seeing that in theaters. So it's just it's just kind of sad. That's all. Just another strike for 2020.
1: And then there's the whole thing where if that does become the new norm, like if you do. You know, and maybe it's just a temporary norm. I mean, who's to say that that's the thing is it's just so like we're all flying blind here, but if that's the norm where everything goes to a streaming service, you don't make near as much money as you do theatrically with these movies, which means that future movies will be on a reduced budget. Mm. They're not going to have the blockbuster money, which means that blockbusters are going to fall by the wayside until, you know, studios and theatrical companies can rally, hopefully. So I don't know. It's definitely like, the repercussions of this year have yet to unfold fully.
0: <laughs> That's for sure. All right, listeners, your turn. Excited to see what they're going to do with Van Helsing. Just want to get through this dumpster fire that is 2020. Woo-woo. Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes. We'll play our favorite message or messages at the top of next week's episode. Please limit yourself to one question or comment per call, or we might end up just talking constantly about all the things in the call. <laughs> uh finally, if you're anything like us, you spend more than a little bit of time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and all the other ones. So Zena's going to clue us in on what we should be watching. So Zena, what should we be watching?
2: Bloody Disgusting TV. It is available. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you need to check it out. No, seriously, check it out. It's it's very awesome.
0: Check is in the mail, Zena. Thank you for that.
2: Um, okay. And then moving on. On the 8th, Tuesday, Smiley Face Killers will be available on DVD. A handsome young soccer player believes he's going insane when he's unable to shake the feeling of being stalked by something, by someone. Dum-dum-dum. And then, (laughs) and then on the 11th, Friday, Don't Click will be available on VOD. After accessing a pornographic website, two men wake up to find themselves trapped in a dungeon with with a supernatural entity. And just in case if you guys missed it, anything for Jackson and Castle Freak, Oh, and also porno. They're both all available. Yeah, a lot of
0: porn-based <laughs> horror coming out lately. Yeah. You know, uh, what's going on there?
2: That's insane. It's, it's not <laughs> me, John. I didn't do it. But <laughs> <laughs> they're all available. Gosh, John. <laughs> they're all available on Shutter, And that's all.
0: And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com or on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovely zena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at bedisgustingpod, or drop us an email at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John.
2: I'm Megan. I'm Zena.
0: Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody.